Bible said. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. I'm excited to be in God's house with you this morning. It's a it's wonderful time of worship and fellowship. If you're in the fifth grade all the way to high school, you can be dismissed. We have classes for you if you'd like to go to class. And if not, you can stay in here and listen to the Word of God as well. Today, we're continuing our series called Close Calls. And the first week, I spoke on the subject of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we talked about how God provided in the fire and how he uh, takes care of those who continue to walk by faith. And we're, we're starting this series called Close Calls because there are times in our lives that many of us go through certain situations and, and people of the world might call it luck, right? Like, man, you sure were lucky that nothing bad happened to you and you escaped that situation. Woo, that was a close call, man. You, you were sure lucky. And, and for those of us who know and understand and believe the Word of God, we know that luck has nothing to do with it, amen? We believe in the providential protection and care of God Almighty. And so as God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fiery furnace moments, even so God is with us in our fiery furnace moments as well in our lifetime. Last week, Mike was able to speak to us about Elijah and in uh, the brook running dry and how God provided for uh, Elijah. And today, we're, we're going to talk about Joseph, the life of of Joseph, and uh, we're going to talk about the pit, the prison, and the palace. The pit, the prison, and the palace. And if you don't know much about the story of Joseph, you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we're not talking about Joseph, uh, the father of Jesus. We're talking about Joseph, the son of Jacob, one of the 12 patriarchs in the Bible. And if you know anything about this story, it kind of goes from Genesis 37 all the way to Genesis 50. And uh, obviously, I tried to get all, whatever that was, let's see, 13 chapters in, last period, last uh, service, but that didn't, no, I'm just kidding. I did preach a long time, but I had something to say, man, and I hope that you'll hang with me. I know our attention spans are not always that good at times, so... Uh, hopefully I can and bring an interesting point of view as we look at the scriptures. The first week I talked about this verse in Psalm 37 when we talk about recognizing the providential care and love of God that protects us from injury and hurt and, and even death. Psalm 37, 23 through 24 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall... He shall be utterly cast down, uh, or not utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So when you think about this story of Joseph, again, I want to give you a little bit of a backdrop of who Joseph is. Joseph, the son of, of Jacob, one of the 12 patriarchs, um, he is loved by his father, the Bible tells us. A matter of fact, Jacob uh, loved Joseph so much that the Bible says that he made him a coat of many colors or a robe of many colors. Some translations say a varied colored tunic or robe. And so in Genesis 37, 3 and 4, 
He says here, Genesis chapter 37, you can open your Bibles if you want or on your devices. You can look up there. And if you don't have either one of those, it should be on your screen here. Genesis 37, 3 and 4 in the New American Standard Bible, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that the father, their father loved him more than all of his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. And so you have this situation where Joseph is, he's favored, he's highly blessed, he's loved by his father, and he has these brothers that can't stand him for that, right? They're like, we are annoyed by this guy. Our father loves him more than, uh, more than uh, us. He gave him a coat of many colors, didn't give us Jack. You ever felt that way? If your name's Jack, then you didn't even get Jack, right? You got Jack, but we didn't. And so one of the reasons Joseph, my brain, see how it goes? One of the reasons Joseph was so favored and blessed by God is because he would play a huge part in the preservation of Israel. And I want to give you a hint concerning the story of Joseph. Really, the story of Joseph is really not about Joseph. Did you catch that? The story of Joseph is really not about Joseph. And let me just give you a quick update. Your story is really not about you. It's about God. If you look at Genesis 38, we learn of a man named Judah, which was one of the tribes of Israel. And, and it seems kind of funny or, or, or different that Judah is mentioned here in Judah in Genesis 37 all the way to 50, but, but Judah has a huge part and play in the life of Joseph. And can someone tell me why Judah was so important? Anybody? Where did, what tribe did Jesus come from? from the tribe of Judah, right? The line and the tribe of Judah. So in in Genesis 38, we learn about Judah, and really in Genesis 37, the chapter before 38, obviously, we get the backstory of Joseph. He was blessed with these dreams and, and special attention from his father, but his brothers despised him, so they decided to plot against him and put him to death. You see, what what the people of the world mean for evil, God means for good in our lives. Amen? Because there's a bigger picture that's taking place in our lives. And so we, we find here in Genesis 37, 18 through 24, Joseph's first appointment was with a pit. And so with me, Genesis 37, 18 through 24, he says, When they saw him from a distance and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. Now, again, a little bit of back history behind that. Joseph had these dreams that one day his brothers would come and bow down before Joseph. Well, they obviously didn't like the fact that, that Jacob loved Joseph more than them. And they also didn't like the fact that God gave Joseph the special dream And that Joseph kind of braggingly came to them and said, hey, guys, I had this dream. And they were like, well, what was the dream about? And and he goes on to tell them, well, the dream is, is that one day you guys are going to bow down to me. 
Well, can you imagine being one of the younger siblings and, and telling your older siblings that one day they were going to bow to you? That probably wouldn't go over too well, right, with your siblings. I'm the baby of the family, and, and uh, I took some beatings as the younger brother sometimes, right? Uh, my brother and I thought we were really in WWF back in the day, and that's what it was called, WWF, not WWE. Um, there would be times that we'd be in our whitey tidies. I know, too much information. And we would literally go to the wrestling mat, except there was no mat, just, just hardwood floors. And uh, we would be fighting and fussing and getting into it with each other. And that's kind of what siblings do. But in this case particularly, they couldn't stand Joseph. They despised Joseph. So they plotted against Joseph and then here's where we find Genesis 37, 18 through 24. When they saw him from a distance, and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. And they said to one another, here comes the dreamer, right? They had a nickname for him, like, oh, we got, here comes the little sissy boy. Here comes the dreamer, if you will. And uh, now then, verse 20, now then come and let us kill him. And throw him into one of the pits. And we will say, a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. You see what Satan tries to do? The Satan and his demonic forces. When God has a dream or a plan for somebody, he always tries to come in and destroy and defeat and deflate the dreams of those who are believing and trusting in God. So don't be, don't be fearful when God has placed a burden or a desire in your heart and that someone comes along and says, you can't do this. What do you think? Uh, you know, you'll never amount to anything. Why do you think those things? You know, I was told by a deacon at Calvary uh, Missionary Baptist Church in Overpeck, Ohio one time, or at least he didn't tell me this. It was actually rumored that he said this. He said, oh, Jason will never make it as a pastor. Well, the truth is it's still not out, right? I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. But for the last 30 years, by the grace of God, I'll add that, highlight it, italicize it, and, and bold print it. By the grace of God, for the last 30 years, I've been trying to serve God and, and preach his word. But that deacon had rightful words to say because what he had seen in my past he probably thought, this kid will never make it, right? I was a 19-year-old kid who eventually uh, uh, answered God's call at the age of 20. And, and I said, the Lord's calling me to preach. He put this desire in my heart. And uh, he had seen what I had done in the past. Like, I had been going in those past few months. Like, I had flunked out of college. I had went from one job to another. And it just didn't feel like anything was, was, was ticking, if you will. You ever been there? And you feel like at a 20-year-old age, you feel like life is over. And I remember sitting there with my mom and saying, I flunked out of college, I'm working at McDonald's, and I'm still living in your house. I feel horrible about my life. And my mom said, well, quit worrying about it. Tell the devil to get off your back and get back to Jesus. And so I did. I ran back to the Lord. I got down on my knees in December of 1992, and I rededicated my life back to Jesus. I knew I was already in the family of God, but I sure wasn't acting like family, amen? And so I came down the aisle that Sunday morning in December of 92, and I rededicated my life to Christ. I said, Lord, 
I'm confessing to you that the things that I've been doing is not godly, it's not right, and I've been a poor example of who you are and what you want me to do. But today, Lord, I am bowing before you, and I am, I am deciding today, I am choosing that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And by the grace of God, I did. And, and, and then a couple weeks later, six weeks later, God began to burden my heart about being a pastor. And I'm sitting in, in uh, services on January 31st, 1993, and, and uh, the Lord says to you, come on and, and be a part of what I'm doing in your life. And eventually I walked the aisle and made my public profession of faith known, or not my public profession, but my calling as a pastor known. And God has been working in my life before that, even when I wasn't serving him, he was still working, amen? And when I, started, when I started serving him, he was working even more so. So in this passage, we find Joseph in a pit, and I tell you that story because all the things that I went through was not about me, it was for the advancement and the glory of God. Did I face the consequences of the bad decisions that I've made? Absolutely. I've always had to face those consequences. But God was working even in the midst of the bad that I was doing to use me later in life to help those who are struggling in their own walk with God. Because let me just say, none of us in this room have it together. Amen? If you do, you're in the wrong spot because Stonebridge is a place that's totally wrecked. Right? And the only redeemer that we have in this place is Jesus. He's the only one that is to be worshipped and glorified. And so we find Joseph in this pit here in this passage. His brothers say, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. Let's put him away. Let's kill a wild beast. Let's go back home and, and tell uh, father that he was, he was uh, eaten by a wild beast and we found his coat of many colors. And then, let's see, they say sarcastically, let's see what will happen to his dreams. Verse 22, Genesis 37. Actually, verse 21, sorry. But Reuben, I love that God always has a but in the Bible, right? There's some good big buts in the Bible. But God, you know, is often the case, amen? Like even though you've done all these bad things, but God. In this case, we have these brothers concocting a plan and plotting against Joseph to kill him. He says, but Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, let us not take his life. Reuben further said to him, shed no blood. Throw him into the pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic and very colored tunic was on him. And they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. Now, I want you to imagine yourself thinking about pits and the loneliness that you might find yourself in when it comes to the pits of life, right? And some of us have been in the pits before, amen? And if you haven't been in the pit before, hang around, you'll be there eventually, right? 
Because pits come in our lives and pits are lonely places. Pits are places where you feel helpless, you feel empty, you feel hopeless, you feel like no one cares about you. And of course, Joseph must have felt that way as his brother stripped him of his clothes, threw him in a pit, left him there in that dark, dirty pit with no water, no substance to keep him going. And Joseph found himself in this pit because his brothers were being used by the enemy to to stop the plan of God. And I want you to to understand that this is really the entire purpose of why Joseph went through the things that he went through. Why? Because through Joseph, God is going to take Joseph from the pit He's going to sell him off to the Midianites, the Ishmaelite traders, and then he's going to get to Egypt. He's going to find one of the uh, officers in, in uh, the uh, Pharaoh's army, the Egyptian army. His name's Potiphar, and then he's going to go to the house of Potiphar and be promoted. And then as he gets promoted, we're going to find out he runs into some trouble. And then from that trouble, it lands him in the prison. And then from the prison, he ends up in the palace. And the reason why he ends up in the palace is because God had a far greater plan than Joseph ever had for his life. And so let's catch up. You see, the good news was is that God was still using Joseph in the midst of this troubled uh, atmosphere and place that he was in. He was using even his brothers to bring about a great plan for the future redemption of mankind. And so I want this to be kind of a key phrase as you think about the things that are happening to you in your life that you don't like right now. Amen? There's some things in your life that you despise and you're wondering where God is and you're wondering why this is happening to you. Just understand that sometimes we have to go through the pit and the prisons to get to the palace of where God wants us to be so that he can provide for us a future that he knows will be far greater if we did not go through the pit and the prison to get us to the palace. Are you following me today? And so... Joseph didn't know it, that, that Satan was at work. The, the brothers really at that time didn't know it. But, but God was using Joseph in a great way to get him to this point where he could preserve life. You see, because through the seed of Judah, through the seed of Abraham, eventually would come the Savior. And we're not going to get into all that like I did last time last service because it, it took us a, a little bit further from where I wanted to go. You see, your pits, like Joseph, usually are a place of loneliness. It's a place of emptiness. It's a place of darkness. It's a place where you feel like no one else is there, right? Because you're struggling along and you're trying to do the right things. Nothing in the Bible tells us that Joseph was doing the wrong things. He was just explaining to his brothers the dream that he had. I had a dream, right? And the dream was, okay, well, tell us what your dream was. He said, the dream was is that one day you guys are going to bow down to me. Well, they hated that. Now, I don't think that Joseph was trying to say that in a boastful, prideful way because we don't see that in his life. We don't see Joseph being a very prideful, arrogant man. He was just saying, this is what I dreamed. Listen to this dream. Well, they didn't like that, of course. And so they plotted against Joseph to kill him. 
and they threw him in this pit of loneliness, a a place of emptiness and a place of darkness. You see the real enemy, Satan and his demonic forces, knows that he cannot steal or capture our salvation because once we are in Christ, we are in Christ. There is absolutely nothing that can take us away from the love of God. There's nothing or no one who can pluck us out of the Father's hand. John chapter 10, verses 28 through 30. And so I'm grateful for the security that we have in Christ Jesus. Now the key is is that you really need to know whether or not you are in the faith. There are a lot of people in the world today who think they know God, but they don't know God. You understand that? Someone made it clear to me this week, another way of putting it this way. They said, how many of you, how many, let me ask you guys, how many of you guys know who LeBron James is? Raise him up high if I can see it. How many of you know LeBron James? How many of you know LeBron James? Right? Not one of us in this room actually knows LeBron James. And the question then to follow is, does LeBron James know you? Did you catch that? You see, there's going to be a day and time in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, where people who thought they knew God are going to come before God and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? And guess what Jesus says? He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You see, it's all about relationship. It's not about how great you are or how many times you've been to church. It doesn't matter if you have this entire Bible memorized. Matter of fact, the Pharisees thought they were good with God because they could quote a few scriptures. And you know what Jesus told them? He said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. You know what he's saying? He's, thinking, he's saying this to him basically. Because you know the scriptures, because you are religious, you think that you're going to heaven. But I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't have a relationship with you. You see what happens? They put their religion and their laws before the relationship. See, relationship is what we need with Christ. You see, what happens when you're in the pit is God's working a far greater plan than you can think or imagine. I've said that several times. Why? Because pits in our lives will strengthen us. They will sustain us. And they will secure us for what's ahead. Whatever pit you find yourself in today, please be reminded that God knows your pain. He knows your struggles. He knows your feelings of inadequacies. He, feels, he knows that you're trying to claw up out of the pit, but you just keep on trying to get one more grip, one more grip. And every time you get close to the top, you fall back down. You ever felt that way? And your spiritual walk, it's this journey that you're going through and you're trying to do the right things and and guess what happens? Evil is right there present with you. Paul said it this way, he said, that what I know to do, I don't do. And that what I don't want to do, I end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, he said. And so just be reminded that when you're in a pit, that pit is there to strengthen you. Matter of fact, look with me real quick to James chapter 1, just so you can kind of get an understanding of what I'm talking about. If you find the book of Hebrews, 
Then the book of James is right after that in James chapter 1. Look what he says in James 1 verse 2. This is the NIV. In James 1, 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, that the man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. You see, sometimes doing the right things lands you in a pit. You see, a lot of times when we think that we're in a pit, we blame God because we're in the pit. And we say, well, God, uh, I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I here? Well, you might be there because God's trying to teach you a lesson. He's trying to sustain you. He's trying to build your character. He's trying to preserve you. He's trying to grow your faith to depend upon Him in the midst of all the trials and the difficulties that you face in this life. And this is where we find Joseph in a pit. See, whatever pit you find yourself in, be reminded that God knows where you're at. Instead of killing Joseph, they decided to sell Joseph to the Midianite traders that passed by in Genesis 37, verse 28. If you have your Bible, stay it, keep it open, please. Genesis 37, 28. He says, then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him up and lifted Joseph out of the pit. Imagine at that moment in time, Joseph didn't care who lifted him out of the pit. He was just glad to be out of the pit, Amen. And he sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus, they brought Joseph into Egypt. Drop down to verse 31 and 32. Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. And they sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? You got the picture? Joseph's been in a pit. They plotted against him to kill him. They didn't kill him, so they decided to sell him, make a little extra money maybe instead of killing him. And their blood, his blood would no longer be on their hands, they thought, you know. And we'll just sell him to the Ishmaelites. And then they pull him up out of the pit. They take him to Egypt. And this is where we find Joseph in Egypt. What happens before we get to the prison is we find Joseph being with uh, the Lord, rather, being with Joseph. Joseph goes from the pit to Potiphar's house. Now, Potiphar's an Egyptian officer of the Pharaoh's army, high-standing officer in his army. And according to Genesis 39, 2-7, the Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. And, and throughout Genesis 37-50, through 50, you find these words. Now, those of us who know Christ, we know the Lord is with us, or at least we should, amen? 
The Lord is with you, child of God. That's what the Bible says. Emmanuel, God with us. That's the reason why he came, so that he could work in us and through us and do mighty things. But specifically here in Joseph's life, in Genesis 39 too, he says, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. And who took notice? Verse 3. Potiphar, right? Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. I'm sure Joseph shared the Lord with Potiphar. Amen? He probably thought, why are you so successful? Well, the Lord's with me. Who is this Lord? Well, let me share him with you. Potiphar noticed this, realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord, who did it? The Lord. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. You know why you and I are blessed? Let's parallel this. The reason why you and I are blessed is because of Jesus' sake. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. He shed his blood. He died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. He rose again the third day according to the scripture. You were blessed to hear the message of the gospel and how you can have relationship with Jesus. And because of those blessings, we are blessed because of Jesus' sake. And Joseph was blessed. Potiphar was blessed rather Because of Joseph's sake, all his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar got to thinking, this is pretty amazing, right? In verse 6, Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything that he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. He must have been Baptist. Amen? I mean, can you imagine this officer? He's got all these responsibility being in Pharaoh's army. And and usually before he had Joseph, he had all the responsibilities of being a husband and a father and, and taking care of household items livestock and all these things. But when Joseph came on the scene, he he promoted him to his personal assistant and gave him responsibility over everything he owned. He didn't have to worry about anything except, hey, I want a ribeye tonight and some baked beans and a nice buttered potato with the fixings, amen? That's all he had to worry about. And then it says this, Joseph moves from what this dude liked to eat, to Joseph. The Bible says Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Why we need to hear about that, right? Come on, Joseph. You're already a dreamer. You've got all these things, and now you're good-looking too, right? He had it all, according to the world, amen? I'm sure that may have been the reason why his brothers despised him too. They probably thought, this dude's a looker. I mean, he's, he's awesome, and we don't have his looks We are not loved by our father like him, and they're jealous. See what jealousy does? It breeds contention. 
that breeds division. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And who noticed? Uh, Of course, Potiphar's wife, checking him out every day. Potiphar's wife soon began. Not letting, you know, it didn't take a long time. It wasn't like a slow fade. She said, that dude looks good, and I want some Joseph. You can have your meat. I want Joseph. That's pretty plain to me. That's what it says. Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully, and she said, come and sleep with me. She demanded. She demanded. You see, here we have the situation where Joseph's put in a predicament, right? He's, he's responsible for all the administration of Potiphar's household. I mean, he can't help it that he's so good looking, you know? My mom used to say, why did the Lord make me so good looking instead of rich? You know? You'll catch that later. Let me say it again, because that's a good joke. Amen? My mom used to say, let me break it down, why did the Lord make me so good looking instead of rich? Still didn't work for you guys. Okay. That's all right. You see, the pit to Joseph seemed lonely, empty, and dark. But being in a place of position of leadership in Potiphar's house put him in a different kind of mindset, right? You would think that Joseph might have gotten a little bit prideful, right? But we don't find that in the Scriptures. We find this humble man that, that God used over and over and over again. We find in the scriptures from Genesis 37 to 50 that the Lord was with Joseph on every turn. People noticed that God was with Joseph. They wanted to be around Joseph. Potiphar's wife wanted to be more intimate with Joseph, if you will. And she demanded, she thought, well, I'm the wife of Potiphar and you look good and because you're under, uh, you're under Potiphar and under me, come and sleep with me, is what she says. She demanded this from Joseph. Even though he was handsome, young, and well-built, he still retained his integrity in the sexual morality scene, Amen. He stayed pure. His heartbeat was for God. I heard a sermon one time. It was called, Losing Your Coat, But Keeping Your Character. Now, if you don't know the story of Joseph, what happens here is that over and over and over again, (coughs) excuse me, Joseph comes on the scene, and every day, uh, Potiphar's wife continues to say, you're well built, you look good, come, sleep with me. Why, why won't you do this? But he said this in verse, chapter 39, verse 8 and 9. Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? And this is the kicker. It would be a great sin against God. You see, Joseph cared more about his integrity than about about sexual immorality. Amen? He wanted to be a man that when people looked at him, they knew that God was with him. And not just because they were looking at him, he wanted to... He wanted to serve God faithfully. He understood that to commit adultery 
was to break one of the Ten Commandments. He understood those things, even though the Ten Commandments were not even given at that moment. He knew that there was a situation that if he chose to sin against uh, God through sexual morality, he would not have a good position to stand with the Lord. And I'm not talking about losing his salvation. I'm talking about just he wouldn't be in a usable situation much longer until he was able to repent of that, obviously. So Potiphar's wife couldn't take no for an answer. So what'd she do? She gathered up all of her workers that day and she said, this is going down today. I'm done with this. I want this guy. I need this guy. I gotta have this guy. You ever been there? Gotta have it, want it, need it, smell it, taste it. It's so good. I, I, I can't, it doesn't matter what God says anymore. I'm going for it. So she gets all the people out of the house. Joseph comes in and she demands for him to lie down with her again. She set Joseph up and accused him of trying to make advancements at her because he chose to obey God rather than his, her own lust. In other words, can you imagine the scene? Here Joseph is, and, and she's coming on to Joseph again, and Joseph says, I've already told you no, 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 no. So as she goes to grab Joseph, she gets a hold of his coat, and, and basically she grabs the coat, and as she grabs the coat, Joseph is running, and as the forward motion goes, the coat goes off, and Joseph leaves the room. He left his coat, but he kept his character. You see, what happened then was she accused Joseph of trying to make sexual advancements towards her because she didn't get her way, which ended up landing him in the prison. Genesis 39, 19 through 21. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. He was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Oh, catch that, if you will. There are times when you've gone from the pit to a, a place of prominence and then you've fallen again and you end up in the prison and you feel like, I've done nothing wrong, but I keep getting hit, 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 hit after hit after hit. And God reminds us in the scriptures that he was with Joseph in the prison. Not only was he with him in the pit, he was with him in the prison and he showed Joseph his faithful love. That's the kind of love that God has for you. And we're talking about a guy who retained his integrity. And some of you might be saying, well, what happens to those of us who don't retain our integrity? What happens when we don't do the right things? And we find ourselves in pits and prisons because we've chosen to do the wrong things. Well, I want you to know today, if you hear my voice, God is saying to you, I love you, and I will show you my faithful love. You must repent of those evil things and fall on your face. Confess your sins because I am faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Thankful for that, amen? So, when we look at Joseph's life, many onlookers may see Joseph's life as a life of luck or good fortune. But we know that over and over and over again that the Lord was with Joseph.
So the question is why, again, was, was he with Joseph? He was with Joseph because he knew that one day Joseph was going to be able to use his dreaming ability and God would interpret the dreams that was in the prison. One day Joseph was in prison and the butler and the baker from Pharaoh's household came into the prison. Y'all remember the story? And they had a dream and the, and the baker said, I had this dream that, that I was up in a tree and I had the basket of bread on top of my head and the, brave, the, the ravens came and they ate out of my basket. And the butler said, I remember going in the presence of the king again and, and delivering to him his wine and, and I don't know what all this means. Is there anybody in this room that can interpret this dream? Because the Egyptians were used to having magicians and people try to interpret dreams in their Egyptian culture. And so Joseph's in there, he says, I, I, I believe I got the answer for you. God can give me the answer to your dream. And they say, okay, well, tell us what it means. And he's like, basically, are you sure you want to hear? Like, yeah, well, let's hear it. He says, well, tomorrow on the king's birthday, he's going to restore the butler back into position. And he's going to be able to go back and enter into the palace. And the butler, the baker's thinking, all right, good news there. What, well, what about mine? Uh, you know, am I going to make all this food and be this great baker again? He said, no, the bad news about your dream is, is that tomorrow the king's going to hang you in a tree. And the birds of the air will come and eat your flesh. The next day it happened. Came true. And so as the, as, the butler, or as the butler is leaving the prison, Joseph says, hey, don't forget about me, right? Don't forget that I was the one that interpreted your dreams. Tell Pharaoh that I, I have that ability. Well, what happened? He gets out of prison, out of sight, out of mind, right? Several years pass by, and, and Pharaoh has this dream, and Pharaoh is troubled by this dream. So he brings his magicians in, and he says, hey, can you answer this dream? And they're like, no, we don't have an answer to this dream. And the butler finally says, oh, yeah, duh. I got this guy that I met in prison. His name is Joseph, and he interpreted our dreams, and they came true. Immediately they sent for Joseph. Joseph's probably looking like me, bearded, dirty, nasty. Hopefully I don't look dirty and nasty, but I am bearded. And he goes in and he shaves, he cleans himself up, and he presents himself to Pharaoh. Are y'all following me? I know it's long. Hold on to the story. He gets before Pharaoh and he says, hey, I heard that you can interpret dreams. I heard that you can interpret dreams. Look what he says, Genesis 41, 14 through 16. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. He was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in, stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night. Hopefully you're woke up now. And no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Look what Joseph does now. He said, it is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But, who? But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. You see, we get to this last portion of Joseph's life. He's gone from the pit to the prison to now in the palace. And he says, God can interpret your dreams. 
You see, what we find here is Joseph patiently waiting on the Lord. His earlier life was a life of ups and downs, trials and tribulation, pits to prisons to eventually the palace. And again, many of us, we want the palace, but we don't want anything to do with the pits and the prisons. But in order to get to the palace, you have to have some pits and some prisons in your life to understand how thankful you are for the palace. But we don't like that because we're a people that don't like to suffer. I told you guys this before. One preacher said, in order to be used of God greatly, you must suffer deeply. You'll find that throughout the scriptures too. You think, we, how, many of you, how many of you love the Apostle Paul? Oh, what a man. He wrote half the New Testament. He, he was a, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We think he was the greatest missionary to walk the earth besides Jesus. Many of us would think that. You know what Paul went through? If you don't, read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm not going to tell you. I'll just leave it at that. He went through a lot to get to where he was. So Joseph patiently waited for the Lord. He was on top of the world and then quickly brought down over and over again. And he finally reaches his destination. See, many of us in this room, we haven't reached our destination yet, amen? We're still in the pit or the prison complaining that we're not where we're supposed to be. My encouragement to you, if you find yourself in a pit or a prison and you find yourself complaining, that the thing that we ought to do, and I know it's hard to do, but we've got to be like Joseph, amen? We've got to understand that we're in a pit or we're in a prison for a reason, and we need to bloom where we are planted, you see, God wants to use us in the midst of our pits and prisons as much as he wants to use us in the palace. Because see, when you've hit rock bottom and you're in the pit and you're in a prison, that gives you equal level ground with those who are in a pit or in a prison. And if again, if we hang around long enough, we're all going to be in a pit or a prison at time, from time to time. So we need that, that, that understandability that we all go through troublesome times. And when we're in those situations, we need to wait patiently on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and faint or will not faint. That's what Isaiah said. We've got to patiently wait on the Lord. And this is what Joseph did. After 13 years, he's finally in the palace. And he gives the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream, the Pharaoh's dream was is that there was going to be this great, uh, massive uh, cow that was just amazing. And for seven years, he was going to have all these wonderful cows. And then the next seven years, all the lean cows are going to eat up all the big cows. He says, I can't understand what he's saying. And, and Joseph says, God will interpret your dream. You want to know what your dream is, Pharaoh? Here it is. For seven full years, you and Egypt and the people around the world are going to be blessed with all kinds of food. But after that seven years of plenty, there will be seven years of famine. And there will be people from all over the world that will come to Egypt for food. And Pharaoh says, well, that's a great plan. You're the man for the job. You're now the CEO of the Egyptian nation. So Joseph did that. 
He provided seven years, put all the stock and food up in the barns. After that seven years comes, famine begins to happen. And guess who gets hungry? The brothers. Israel. You see, what would have happened if Joseph wouldn't have been there? Israel would have died out. There would be no seed that would come through the tribe of Judah And if there's no seed that comes through the tribe of Judah, there would be no virgin birth. And without no virgin birth, there would be no Jesus. And without no Jesus, there would be no cross. And without no cross, there would be no burial. And without no burial and resurrection, there would be no forgiveness of sins. Do you see how it all connects together? They come back, and eventually the story is... Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. They all weep and they cry and they hug. And they go back and they get Isaac. Excuse me, they get Jacob. And about 70 to 75, I can't remember, it's in that 70 mark. They come back to Egypt with his family. And for years they have this wonderful family reunion because Joseph is in charge. The Bible says later on that their father Jacob dies Let's all stand. I know you're tired. Let's stand together. I'm going to close. They come to an end and uh, Jacob dies. Don't tune out on me though, okay? I know it's easy to do. Jacob dies and the brothers get fearful. Right? Can you imagine, Cam? You know, here you are, your daddy's boy. And you go back and your brothers had put you in a pit, sold you into the Ishmaelites. And then you end up in a prison, and now you're in the palace. You find out who the real palace man is. You're in charge. And then all of a sudden, daddy dies. The brothers get fearful. They're like, oh, man. When, when, when daddy was around, Joseph didn't bother us, didn't, didn't hate us, <laughs> loved on us. But now that daddy's gone, he's going to persecute us. He's going to do us in. He's going to take revenge. Look at, look at this, Genesis 15, my favorite part of the story. Genesis 15, excuse me, Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin for they did wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And then his brothers also came and fell down. They fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said, Do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. Oh, let that sink in for just a minute. You see, many of you have been in some pits and some prisons, and now you're in a place where God is using you greatly. And let me just remind you, you are only there because God has put you there. He could take it away as fast as he's given it. And Joseph said, I'm in God's place. Verse 20, 
As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Listen, it wasn't by accident that Joseph was leading Egypt. It was all for the purpose of the preservation of the seed that would follow. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would come from the tribe of Judah, be born of a virgin, die on a cross for your sins, was buried, rose again the third day, all so that you and me could be forgiven and saved. What a Savior we have. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today we approach your throne of grace with thanksgiving. We thank you for the story of Joseph's life. I know it was really long, but it was needful. I pray that the people would understand the, uh, the, the context of what was being said today, that, that ultimately the reason why we talked about Joseph was so that we could talk about Jesus. And if there's anyone in this room today that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, it's our prayer, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would move so much in their lives that they realize that they're lost and they're on their way to hell and that they would repent of their sins for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I pray that they would understand that they need to come to Jesus for salvation. They would simply say, God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins. Lord, save me. And for those of us who are saved, Lord, I pray that even in the midst of our pits and our prisons, we would realize that you have a palace awaiting us. It's not about prosperity gospel, Lord. It's about being used of you and being promoted so that we could have more influence on the people around us so that we can get the message of Jesus to them. Help us, O oh God, to trust you and depend upon you fully. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.